Welcome to the latest episode of Bot Meets World, where we take all the latest news about AI and put it into 15 minutes or less in a format that you can easily listen to. So today we're going to go through Dropbox. We're going to talk about Adobe, YouTube, OpenAI, and we'll take a little detour into robotics, which I'm super excited about. All right, without further ado, here we go. Uh, Dropbox has announced that they're introducing this thing called Dropbox Dash, which allows you to talk to your documents. In other words, you can ask a question and it will go through all the documents you've stored in your Dropbox and come up with an answer. I just published an episode, a bonus episode on this podcast explaining how they're actually doing this, but this is a very standard use case. And what you've seen over the past six months is a lot of new little startup companies popping up that let you upload all your PDFs, all your documents, and ask a question of your documents. This applies to HR, this applies to legal, this applies to healthcare. And now, as with so many other parts of AI, you're seeing incumbents, you're seeing existing companies like Dropbox coming in and offering it included in their services. So Dropbox is for consumers, and I believe Databricks recently acquired Mosaic ML, uh, and Snowflake has partnered with NVIDIA. And these are just very kind of big enterprise-focused companies that are doing the same sort of AI ability to speak to your data, but in the enterprise setting. Next, Adobe. We've covered them before. We, we love Adobe Firefly. It is a great enterprise solution for copywriting, for image creating. And what they announced is that they will cover the legal fees of any company that gets sued or any kind of copyright violation of images and content generated by Adobe Firefly. This is actually really important because a lot of companies are weary, are scared of using things like ChatGPT and Dolly to generate images and, and generate text because they're worried about getting a claim from some kind of artist or, or some prior author saying that their work was infringed upon. Adobe has taken a smart move of training its data on properly licensed uh, images and text, and they're able to make this claim. And this lets uh, Adobe's customers, Adobe's clients, feel safe using Adobe's tools. All right, I've been excited to share this with you. This is super cool. This is from Carnegie Mellon University. A little creepy, but if you think about how all these large language models were trained, they had to be trained on some corpus of data that, and the data was the various text that was uploaded onto the internet, whether that text is on websites or on Reddit, but these large language models suck in all that text and learn from that data. If you are a physical robot, like a real robot in the real world, trying to like make a meal, you can't really do that. There isn't a training set and there's no really obvious way for you to learn. Carnegie Mellon has figured out and they're and they're working on this project um, that lets robots watch videos of humans acting in the real world and the robots are able to pick up on patterns to then learn from the humans how to interact in that world. In other words, you can show a robot, let's say 100 videos of a human in their kitchen opening drawers and that will uh, teach the robot how to open a drawer in a kitchen. This is complete and total sci-fi. It is incredible. I mean, I am, I'm blown away because 
this now brings AI one step closer into the physical world. It's, uh, it's truly incredible. Um, the cool piece of this research is that they're able to identify automatically the, these things they called affordances. Affordances. Affordances are what the robot learns humans touch in the real world to interact in the real world. So an affordance could be a knob or it could be a handle on a knife or it could be a button on a controller. In, remember, in a robot's eyes, they just see like endless images of our world. They don't know what is uh, meant to be touched. And so here, by watching videos of humans, they're able to learn what these uh, surface areas are, what these affordances are, and how to engage with them. So this allows the robot to learn how to handle a knife or how to twist a knob or how to pull a handle. Um, so really fascinating, slightly creepy, but uh, it's, it's really incredible to see what comes next around the corner for robots who are able to just watch humans uh, work and then follow along. Uh, next is YouTube. YouTube is now integrating an AI-powered dubbing tool. So what they had allowed in the past is if you uploaded a video in English, you could also provide a dubbing in a different language and it would offer the different language types depending on the person watching YouTube, whether that's someone in an English-speaking country or a Spanish-speaking country or a French-speaking country, et cetera. Now they've partnered with this company called Allowed, which is really more of like a, a company within Google. It's a product suite within Google that uh, is going to create this dubbing automatically on the fly. So you can upload a video in English and it will overdub in your same voice that same video in a different language. And that way, creators who uh, speak English can now broaden their audience for their videos to every country around the world. We have gone from localization to internationalization. If in the past you would have uh, a mom and pop shop in every small town that, that sells goods and that's who everyone goes to, now you have Amazon that is effectively global, but certainly national, and people just shop from that. The same thing uh, for creators and artists. So in the past, you might have had some great musicians or great performers in your town, and that's who you believe was amazing, and that's who you'd go see. Then you nowadays, you're able to see artists and performers from around the world, around the country. But that's limited by language. Now you're going to see the best performers really uh, rise to the top from around the world. So if someone is a great influencer, great on camera in America, and someone else is great on camera in, let's say, Mexico, through this auto-dubbing, you might end up with, I guess, fewer overall popular influencers around the world, but those that are popular will now appeal to even more people. So again, it creates the, this, this bifurcation where the best humans in the world will rise to extreme heights and everyone else kind of sinks to the bottom. Pretty cool for creators, but also a bit of a dystopian view for uh, parsing our society. Again, further and further dividing the few that have the most uh, privilege and access and, and those who don't. Um, OpenAI, it turns out, is focused on creating a personal assistant for work. This is a big deal because Microsoft announced this a few, I guess a few months ago now, as a really big push for Microsoft, which Microsoft 
is well positioned for this, as I mentioned on a prior episode, because they are the operating system for many of the world's enterprises. Many world's enterprises run Windows. And so if you are the owner of Windows, you can create an AI that bonds together all the different applications that a, a person has running on their Windows machine and, and lets that uh, AI become the general assistant for the workplace. Uh, but it looks like OpenAI is now doing the same. The reason why this is strange is that OpenAI and Microsoft have a very strong bond. Microsoft is one of the biggest investors in OpenAI. And so I'm, I'm curious to see how this plays out when the two companies who are supposed to be symbiotic and helping each other out might be going after the same market with two different tools. All right, switching gears. Ah, I might go on a rant here, but Thomson Reuters acquired a company called Case Text, which is a pretty small and new company, for $650 million. And when asked about the acquisition, when asked to brief their investors about the acquisition, the, the executive team of Thomson Reuters, and I'm, I'm reading from this here, so I, I, I wish I were making this up, but they said, um, and I quote, um, Wang also cited case text development of a set of eight prompts designed to enable GPT-4 to perform tasks specific to the legal domain, such as review documents, summarize documents, and search a database. He said that several of case text prompts are unique and are ones Thomson Reuters had not even started to develop. Are you kidding me? They acquired a company because the company had developed cool prompts? For $650 million? That's insane. Prompt engineering is certainly valuable, and we've gone over in past episodes of this podcast some tricks and tips for how to develop rich and useful prompts. There is no way that you should be acquiring prompts for, what, I don't know, $80 million a piece? That is completely insane. The other reason why they acquired this company was that Case Text had early access to OpenAI's GPT-4 model. They had access back in 2022, which I understand, but that was a long time ago. I mean, I don't know. To, to acquire a company purely for access to, to some kind of tech that's a few months before others do doesn't seem right, given how quickly this industry moves, how many other models are available, and how quickly everyone got access to the GPT-4 model. So this just is mind-blowing. And lastly, I'll close this podcast with one more mind-blowing thing, and that is Inflection AI. This company is one year old. I just discussed their hundred-plus million-dollar seed round on a prior episode about two or three months ago. Now, they have closed a one-point-three billion-dollar round towards the development of their personal companion chatbot. This is mind-blowing. This is insanity. And the founder and CEO himself, Mustafa Suleiman, uh, when interviewed, literally mentioned how, how um, a big reason for this raise is simply because people were throwing money at them. <laughs> it, it was not because they needed the money. It was not because this made any sense. It was simply because there is so much froth in the market to throw money at anything that could be AI related. They just opened their, opened their buckets and took everyone's cash. It is 
This is complete insanity to me. He said, and I quote, a tidal wave of investor and consumer interest in such technologies. And it's literally says he admitted it's totally nuts. So I guess congrats to you guys. I, you know, I, in some respect, I think having such a big war chest will be good for them and will hopefully guarantee their success because it lets them build a big brand and gives them limitless resources. But at the same time, it's just hard for me to, to, to understand um, how investors can uh, pour so much money into something that's, you know, at this point, they just have a, an, an MVP and no revenue and not much beyond this like initial demo of a product. So um, I hope that everyone there made a good choice and I look forward to seeing what comes out of this whole uh, inflection AI companion at box. That's it for today's episode. Stay tuned and I'll get back to you uh, in about a week.